This episode of Our Opinions Are Correct was recorded live before a Zoom audience for the Outright 2020 Festival, which is DC's annual LGBTQ Lit Fest. Welcome to Our Opinions Are Correct, a podcast about the meaning of science fiction and its relationship to society. I'm Annalee Newitz. I'm a science journalist who writes science fiction. I'm Charlie Jane Anders. I'm a science fiction writer who thinks a lot about science. And today, we're going to talk about portal fantasies, the history of them, why we love them, why we briefly hated them. And joining us to talk about all of this is Naman Telehun, author of the Wrath and Athenaeum series, which starts with the amazing novel, The Root, which you should all go out and buy. And so thank good. you so much for coming, Naman. The second novel's out too, right? Yeah, the second novel, The Tree, is out, and the third should be out next year. Yes. Okay, yes. everyone, click buy right now. So let's start by just talking about what a portal fantasy is. This is kind of a, a long-standing fantasy genre. Charlie Jane, do you want to give us a quick overview? Yeah, so basically a portal fantasy, as its name suggests, is about a doorway. It's basically about you go through a portal or an opening or a door or a wardrobe or whatever, and you find yourself in another world, a world of adventure and usually there's often like mystical destiny or quests or things as well and sometimes the person who goes to the portal is chosen and it's basically like someone from our world from the ordinary world goes through a portal and finds themselves in a fantastical magical world and it's different from urban fantasy like supernatural or arguably harry potter or Although epic harry fantasy like might... lord of the rings or game of thrones because people come from our world and go to the fantasy world harry potter is kind of an edge case yeah, what do you think, Nauman? Do you think Harry Potter is a... Yeah, I think, it, I think if you define portal fantasies a, a little more loosely, instead of going from one world right. to another as going to a new reality or a new perspective, then things like uh, Harry Potter sort of fit in there. But it is like a very... It's where two genres merge, really. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Totally. It does have like It does have a bit of urban fantasy to it in a way. Yeah. I yeah. think it's harder and harder to separate genres nowadays. Yeah, That's it's so really true. true. And I mean, when when we were talking about this before the show, I was saying to Charlie that portal fantasies really go back quite a long way to sort of medieval fairy tales about going to fairyland and like mm -hmm. being stolen away from your bed at night, taken to another world. And then there's consequences in the real world for what yes. happens. Um, and I think that's a big part of portal fantasies is like some of them deal with the consequences and some of them don't. Yeah. Um, but then also, I think for our purposes today, mostly what we're talking about are the more modern portal fantasies that kind of start with Alice in Wonderland. Um, yeah. Down a long, wet hole. Um, <laughs> or Chronicles of Narnia, where you go into the closet in order to become gay, which is very exciting. Naman, do you have any thoughts on like where portal fantasies begin for you? Like when you look back on kind of like 
greatest hits of Portal Fantasies? I mean, so I, I think there are three big Portal Fantasies that are like the big three. And it's Alice in Wonderland. It's Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. Pete, of course. And a little totally. differently, it's uh, Wizard of Oz. Because Wizard of Oz is sort of exclusively American, and it's more of a visual medium than a book series. Mm-hmm. People are more familiar with the film than they are with the book series. Um, yeah, um, although the book series was so super true. popular, like it's it super was. Popular, yeah, but it at the really time there were like there were like plays and other film versions, and it was it was huge. Well, and I the book series actually has a lot of interesting queerness and gender stuff in it that doesn't translate into many of the adaptations of it. Um, That's true. Yeah. I think those are the big three for me that are like the beginning of portal fantasy as we know it. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even put the chains on us for like people want to go home sort of ideas. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause wizard of Oz is all about wanting to go home and uh, you know, yeah. Yeah. It's such a weird, it's so funny that in wizard of Oz, the quest is to go home. Like I made it through the portal accidentally in this case and then now all i want to do is go home whereas you know modern portal fantasies like um every heart a doorway by shauna mcguire it's basically please get me back to the fucking portal like that's right. all the characters want is like they get there and they're like this is an awesome place and then they leave and all they just spend all their time trying to get back yeah. there's no place like the portal basically so we actually have a clip from Alice in Wonderland. This is from the Disney Alice in Wonderland. I'm super excited. And this is her going through the portal. What a peculiar place to have a party. You know, Dinah, we really shouldn't be doing this. After all, we haven't been invited. And curiosity often leads to trouble. I mean, I forgot the cat even existed, really. <laughs> I, I did, too. I forgot the cat being like, bye-bye. This is and how you know her... you're... Oh, and her and skirt, like, breaks her Her skirt fall. turns into a parachute. I love that her skirt turns into a parachute. It's so <laughs> I great. need to get you a dress it. like that, Charlie. <laughs> yes, I need a parachute skirt. I need, I need an Elsa Wonderland dress super bad. Okay, so why do... Naman, why do you like Portal Fantasies? Tell us what's good about Portal Fantasies. I mean, uh, speaking for myself and personally, like, I... Yeah love the idea of going to another world. Like just being like a queer brown kid, I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere. Um, and that's what, also why I was so angry at Portal Fantasies. My mother showed me The Wizard of Oz when I was really young. And I was just so angry at, the, at her wanting to go home. I was so enraged because I was like, uh, go back to the Dust Bowl. I was like, if I got swept into a mystical world where people were like, you might be the chosen one. I'd be like, oh cool, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm never even gonna find <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got totally. like a cyborg friend and a lion friend. It's right? like, fuck Earth. <laughs> Why am I going home? Also, I'm an orphan. That woman's trying to take my dog. I don't need any of this mess. Yeah. I think for me, the idea of going to another land, which was more open and more full of possibilities, was something I loved. What about you, Charlie Jane? I mean, the thing I love about Portal Fantasies is kind of the sense of, I don't know, irony, detachment, because what makes like a Portal Fantasy for me is that you come from our world, you come from 
present day, whatever, 20th, 21st century Earth, and then you find yourself in this colorful fantasy magical land, but you still bring all your Earth stuff with you and you still have all your kind of knowledge of Earth pop culture and like tropes and like, you know, it's not like you were grown up in Westeros and you just, all you know is Westeros <laughs> culture. You know this whole other frame of reference that is what the reader is also bringing to it. So you're kind of like a bridge between the reader or the audience and the rest of the world, which I think is really cool. And I think that that's part of why people sometimes don't like portal fantasies is that level of detachment. It's not like you're a native to the place. You didn't grow up. I mean, you know, there are characters who grew up there, but the main character usually isn't a native. And so I really love that. I think that that makes it way more interesting and way more fun. How about you, Annalie? Why do you love portal fantasies? So I, I can say, I mean, I love different portal fantasies for different reasons, but I wanted to say one thing that I think is super interesting about portal fantasies, and this is what was making me think about uh, the queer theorist Eve Sedgwick's book, Between Men, which was a 1990s classic of queer theory where Sedgwick was basically just talking about Victorian novels where two men are obviously fucking, but they can't be. And so mm. one of them has a girlfriend. Yay. Oh, I love that cover. Oh yes. my God. Alman is holding, holding up the cover for those of you who can't see what's going on. Awesome. And so what Sedgwick says is, the way that these novels kind of work out having a queer story without having it is they have what's called a heterosexual alibi, which is basically just one of them has a girlfriend or a wife or something like that. Hopefully she's dead, you know, so that she's kind of not really in the way um, or she's just off screen all the time. And I feel like the secondary world that you pop into through the portal is kind of like that heterosexual alibi. It's an alibi because you're allowed to do whatever the hell you want because it's a fantasy world. So say you go into the fantasy world and you do something naughty, like um, you break the law, you commit a crime, you um, engage in sex that you wouldn't normally or <laughs> other kinds of stuff, but it's like, it's okay. It's the portal alibi, you know? And then when you go back to the real world, maybe there's consequences or maybe not. Maybe it's just like, well, back here now, I'm, I'm me, I'm, I have my regular life. Um, and so I think it's really fun when reading or watching a portal fantasy to see how they work that out. Like, what is it an alibi for? What does it allow you to do? And sort of see what the consequences are, if any. That kind of brings me to my next question, which is, um, are portal fantasies basically inherently queer? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Definitely. Yes, moving on, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, okay, I'm just going to say... You Say go it. through a closet door in the case of Narnia. You literally go through the closet door and you emerge into a colorful, sparkly world where everything is just like, woo! And there's like people in like, in the Wizard of Oz, there's like witches wearing like basically like frou-frou dresses and like waving wands around and saying like, you know, I'm going to give you ruby slippers. It's so, I don't know. Nama, what do you think? I, I, I agree. It's very queer. Um, I think it also sort of ties into what you were saying, Charlie Jane, about the difference between second world fantasy and portal fantasy about being a native or not. And mm -hmm. sort of, do you feel like a native of the culture you're in right now? And do you feel a part of the society you're a part of? And being queer in America, you sort of don't in many ways. And so I feel like the portal fantasy is sort of an allegory for that in some ways of going to another space that might be more accepting. 
Yeah, basically you walk through the door of, you know, the queer space and you're kind of, it's kind of a portal fantasy. It's like, oh, now I'm in a club where everybody's dancing with whoever they want and, and whatever gender presentation they want. Yeah, all yeah. these things that the, the quote unquote real world told me were wrong or didn't exist are here laid out in front of me. Yeah. I wonder if the the portal alibi thing is a part of fantasies where people ultimately feel more comfortable in the real world and they kind of use the portal to go to like let off steam, but they really just want to get back to the real world. Whereas the queer portal fantasy is where, where you want to stay in the, uh, inside yeah. the portal, you know, and it's like the real world is horrible. So. Yeah. Um, I think that. Yeah. Really I also, if you're not, yeah. Oh, go ahead. If you're not fully out yet, it's like, oh, yeah, I, went, I spent the weekend in the magical world, and then I came back to my wife and kids, and like, oh, that was a business trip I just took, and yeah, oh, no, no, I didn't stay there. I just visited. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, no. What happens totally. in the portal stays in the portal. Like the, the book by um, Catherine Valente, Palimpsest, feels sort of incredibly clear yes. in their groping to get back there and the sexuality of, of all of that book. That was, I thought that was really an underrated. I love Palimpsest. I feel like we could talk about that forever. But I mean, first of all, it's about a sexually transmitted portal, which is amazing. Like, because you can only get into this beautiful dream world by having sex with someone who's been there. And then once you've done that, you get a map, a tattoo of a map on your body, which is one part of this city. And like, if people can get together, they can like visit each other's maps. And it's like... Yeah, it's such an incredible novel. Um, very, very queer. Yeah. Um, again, like Every Heart a Doorway, where it's everyone kind of has their own world that they go to. And what the characters have in common is that they've all been to these other worlds that are yeah. very accepting um, of all kinds of sexuality. Um, all right, well, let's take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about why portal fantasies weren't cool and then they became cool again. You know, I remember like 10, 12 years ago, hearing a lot of people say that portal fantasies were over. We're done with them. We don't want them anymore. And, you know, why was that? Why do you guys think that there was like this kind of backlash against portal fantasies? Naman, do you have any thoughts? I mean, um, I think part of it was the idea that uh, portal fantasies were all about trying to get back to the real world. Right. Um, and also, okay, so my little quick theory on that, misogyny. Um, because ah. when we talk about the big three and we're talking about Alice, um, Peter Pan, and uh, uh, Dorothy, sort of Dorothy, yeah, mm-hmm. all three are young girl characters written by men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And all three of them are sort of written at a time where women didn't have as many options. Mm-hmm. And so this sort of prevailing propaganda of even when women are offered a fantasy world, what they're going to want is to come back to the Dust Bowl of Kansas. Mm-hmm. They own right. where you are. So I think there's this weird linkage in there, um, which is messed up. Mm-hmm. And I also think that people, have a, people had a really narrow idea of what portal fantasy could be. Um, and that happens with every subgenre. Like people had a really narrative, narrow idea of uh, second world fantasy for a long time and what it could be. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I feel like that, that the makes sense. Yeah. the hatred or not hatred, but I feel like the the kind of um, rejection of the portal fantasy came roughly around the time that people were really selling a lot of urban fantasy and like supernatural romance, urban fantasy books and movies and TV. I basically, I think Nauman is completely right that there was like this view that portal fantasies were very limited, that they had to kind of be a particular type of story arc. And so the only way we could break out of that was to bring the fantasy into the real world. But even when you brought them into the real world, one of the many tropes in urban fantasy is that there's a secret underworld of magic. Yeah. So it's never like, well, it's not, it's sometimes it is fully integrated. Like sometimes you get like a superhero story where like everybody knows about superheroes, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely everybody knows about magic in some urban fantasies, but yeah. Sometimes it's pretty rare. I mean, Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is a really interesting example of one where, of a novel where everybody kind of knows about magic, but they just don't think it works anymore. Also, but, the series um, by Kim Harrison, her um, In the Hollow series, is set sort of like 20 years after a genetic virus wiped out a bunch of humanity and all the supernaturals came out on Halloween because they knew uh, no one would believe them, so it would give them a buffer of time to set stuff up before they like, uh-huh. started to panic. So oh, interesting. That, yeah, that series. That's really cool. About, like, so they, so yeah. everyone knows about the supernaturals then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone knows. There's a special police force for them. Hilariously enough, tomatoes carried the disease that wiped out people. So now only supernaturals eat anything with tomatoes because everyone else is afraid of them. No more pizza. Oh, man. man. Well, pasta. At last, the new world punished the people who came and stole all their crops. God damn it. Um, But I mean, I think that part of the super, the part of the portal fantasy backlash does have to do with that sense of like, you know, this, the kind of the irony or the, the whatever of like people who are not from the supernatural world or not from the magical world. And part of what people like, I think if you've read a million fantasy novels and you're used to all the tropes, you don't want to follow a character who doesn't already know everything. Mm-hmm. You want to follow a character who already knows the entire world inside and out. And they're just like, yep, I was born in this world. I am a native. I understand it completely because that's the perspective of people who are like really serious diehard fantasy readers. Whereas I think mm. portal fantasies originally were kind of catering to people who hadn't read a lot of fantasy books. Tourists. And did want to follow people who were, yeah, who were visiting from the regular world and like could relate to that kind of like, oh, this is all new to me kind of thing. So I think it was, I think in general, what what's happened in, in genre publishing in general is that people like you have a, books are now very much geared towards people who just read tons and tons of fantasy and science fiction and know everything already and are going to be like 201 or 301 level, you know, readers rather than 101 kind of. I think. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And I mean, also, I think that with stuff like urban fantasy, where you are kind of often plunged into the world from the perspective of someone who's from like the magical underbelly or the magical, you know, subway station or whatever, however they formulate it. I think that that, I mean, it allows you to tell things like detective stories or romances, which have their own tropes that are really familiar. So like, there's certain ways that the story is familiar, even if you're not like a diehard fantasy fan. Like if you just know okay, how do detective stories work? Oftentimes the detective protagonist in those stories is kind of 
from like a marginal place, you know, like, and so they're not, you know, they're not from high society or like, you know, someone who lives in a suburb, they're like, they live in a gritty apartment and, you know, drink a lot or whatever. I don't know. I've only ever watched Jessica Jones. I don't know how detectives work. Those are all very true. (laughs) Uh Well, so why did they come back? I mean, why did they come back? That's what I want to know. Naman, you tell us why. Okay, so I think that what happened is, well, we started to get into a lot more uh, meta-narratives in fiction, a lot more boundary-crossing fiction, and people started to see new ways to tell portal fantasy stories. Um, I mean, you were just talking about, like, um, uh, Charlie Jane, about someone being at, like, a 301 level and knowing the, and wanting to mm-hmm. have that. And then people were like, well, why don't I walk? No, sorry. Why don't I write a portal fantasy where someone is a fantasy buff and then gets sucked right. into the world and knows the tropes and is like, sweet Jesus. Um, I, I read a book, oh, I wish I could remember the name, the title and name, I'll tweet it out when I remember, um, where it's a university that's connected by all these portals to different lands where they, Ooh. like, meet the students go and pretend to be dark lords to keep the energy going to keep the cycle going. And it's like one oh my guy, God. this is my thesis. I was the dark Lord on this planet. And then he gets sucked back in and all the heroes are like drunken messes 20 years later. And he has to pretend to be the hero against the dark Lord now. So like, there was a lot of interesting stuff happening. I think you also saw it with uh, recent cartoons like um, Star versus the forces of evil, which sort of flipped oh. the narrative and had the magical princess shuttled off to earth because they were like, your magic is too dangerous to be here right now. Go to Earth and train. And so she's sort of the narrative person in a reverse portal fantasy. Huh. Um, it, yeah. Oh, right, because Earth is her secondary world, basically. Yeah, but it also goes back and forth. So it's it's a very um, sort of meta new genre bending place to go with this kind of world. Do you think it's a new idea that we would go back and forth between the other world and our world? Because I feel like the three big ones that we talked about, like Oz and Alice, um, it's all like, it's one trip. You know, like you go, you work really hard to come back and that's it, you're done. And that's what's interesting because when we talk about Alice, the show that I remember more than any, anyone is, well, Number one, the Carol Channing, the movie with Carol Channing as the White Queen, which is amazing. Oh, yeah. So good. It's like four hours or something. So great. But other than that, Disney had basically a live action TV series that was Alice. And every episode was her going back to Wonderland and like hanging with her friends and then going back to the real world. Oh, so wow. they basically made this really? TV series. Where, yeah. Where when was like that? Oh, I don't know. I saw the reruns on Disney. I want to say... It was oh, my God. Okay. But it was like every episode was her going back to Wonderland and then coming back to her real world. Huh. And um, I think with Wizard of Oz, I personally have a very big love for Return to Oz, which is yeah. the a Balk movie where she, like, Dorothy is in a mental institute and is desperate to go back to Oz. And I was like... If you haven't seen it, it's great. I it's love Fariza Balk so oh, much. Like, I have like not that. seen that. We oh. need to watch that. Like, I, yeah, I stand her forever because of the craft, but lots I mean, of other things too, thought. yeah. <laughs> it's about her escaping a mental institute because she kept talking about Oz and being desperate to go back and ending up back in this new Oz with like new friends and new enemies. 
Interesting. Wow. Yeah. So, and that's the, that's the kind of inflection point, right? Like the sort of the nineties yeah. and the aughts are when we're starting to see it turn back toward portal fantasies, like the yeah. reinvention. I think it's really fantasy. the last 10 years or so. I don't know. I mean, I was going to bring up a few things. We talked about yeah. every heart of doorway. Yeah. Um, and there's also, and every heart of doorway has that level of irony. It has that level of like, we're For older sure. now and we want to go back. We want to go back to the magical world. And we're also kind of a little bit more fucked up and jaded and we're kind of just you know and it's it's more explicitly queer and uh similarly the magicians the book series but also especially the tv series really kind of comments on the portal fantasy and the idea of going back and forth and actually hey we've got a clip from the magicians tv show which i guess <laughs> here it is it is here that our story begins a land of magic am i hallucinating if you were how would asking me help and hot and boys. And very hot boys. Oh my god, look how hot. I love that's his like season best. one. I guess oh my god, he looked so hot I never in season. Watched it. I uh, you know, it's it, it's the a, first it's a bumpy ride. It's really fun. It's I wasn't a huge fan really of fun. the book series, so I was like, I guess I shouldn't watch the but maybe I'll check out the first season. I think I mean honestly the 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 T V series is it takes the takes it in a different direction. Not you know, bad. like and Sarah Gamble, who was the showrunner Oh I love yeah. Yeah. So she she takes it she takes it in the right direction and like and the characters are adorable. Like they're just yeah, it's it's definitely Elliot. Elliot is amazing. It's worth it's worth it just for Elliot. And everybody's humping everybody and it's anyway, Annalise's way of rating a show. Is everyone humping everybody? Well get gets an extra point for that. (laughs) So the thing that the thing that y'all mentioned about portal fantasies where you can go back and forth and it's not so much like I want a a trip and then you come Mm -hmm. home. You know, it made me think about Doctor Who because Doctor Who to me is like a big portal fantasy. The TARDIS is literally like the wardrobe from Narnia, except mm-hmm. it's cooler because you can, it leads to all these different fantasy worlds. Yeah. And, you know, in the original Doctor Who series from like the 60s, 70s and 80s, somebody from Earth gets in the TARDIS and they're off on like a long voyage and they can't go home because the TARDIS can never find their way home again. And so they're just traveling, 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 traveling. And finally they get home. And I guess in the seventies, there was a little bit more going back and forth, but in the new series in 2005, the thing that they changed was that going back and forth was much smoother and the companions have family and they have friends back home and they check in with their family and friends every they single day. They have a home. special mobile device that they can use to call they can, home. They can phone home. They, they, they have, their touch. phone actually works. Yeah, they can yeah. they can phone home and it's not so much of like you're on this journey and you can't possibly reconnect with your home. It's just like, nope, we're going, you know, oh yeah, I'm gonna go home, check out with, hang out with my mom, and then I'm gonna go back on another trip. Hmm. I wonder if um as we think about like the rejuvenation of portal fantasies to return to that question of like who's a native of what land i feel like these are these are definitely fantasies about sexuality and going in and out of the closet but also about immigration and who gets to come through because who like a lot of these are one way portals it's like oh well we get to go there but like it's not like all the fucking bunnies and wacky <laughs> mad hatters and shit come here right like that doesn't really happen well- I, I was going to, an interesting TV show that sort of addressed that badly, but is still entertaining and ran for like 15, whatever, Stargate. Yeah. Stargate series, which they literally go through a portal. There are a bunch of native people on the other side, some mm-hmm. more advanced than them, some less advanced. 
And a lot of it is negotiating who wants them dead, who wants them alive. They're not great about race all the time or most of the time. But, I mean, when the only black member of your team is a former alien slave, you're sort of like, okay, we, we know what we're getting into here. Yeah. But there's a lot of interesting stuff that happens in that show in terms of colonialism and an interesting framing of, in the beginning at least, Egypt as a colonizer, because all the aliens use Egyptian mythology in the beginning, and later in the series it expands. But mm-hmm. it sort of is this weird reversal of colonialism. Yeah. What about um, that long-running TV series where all of the fairy tale characters are like living in Maine? Or oh, something? Uh, yeah. One, uh, Once upon a time. Once upon a time. Yeah. Although yeah. I guess that's different because that's more like that's not a portal. It's more just like a secret underground of well, fairy. Yeah. Tale I mean, it's sort of it. No, it is a portal because they, they, I mean, they get sucked from their own land. It's sort of like what's that, um, Bill Willingham, the Fable series. Fables, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Which, and there is kind of a trend of like using magical creatures to talk about immigration more mm-hmm. like explicitly in like a lot of these like yeah. shows. And like Grimm is the same way, that TV show. Yes. What happens like, in Grimm? Actually, <laughs> uh, Grimm is about like, um, uh, a police officer in Portland whose aunt who's dying of cancer comes to visit him and tells him that he's a grim, which means he has, um, he's super strong and fast and all that, but also he can see these inhuman things called the Vesson that hide among us. And a lot of them are based mm. on sort of grim fairy tales. So like one of the main groups are the blue button, which kind of turn into wolf-like creatures. And many of them go crazy when they see the color red and attack it no matter what. Um, (laughs) that's handy (laughs) it also becomes about alliances within the community and the community like wanting purism because like two different wesson marry each other and the rest of the community (laughs) tries to come after them and kill them like so they do weave in other stuff Mm. i watched that whole series during quarantine very recently yeah i've actually heard only good things about it so yeah um the last the last couple seasons and there's there's a whole sex assault by magic that sort of gets ignored where I'm like, that's a problem. Yeah, (laughs) that happens a lot, actually. I I feel like that's part of the portal alibi is a little bit like, oh, well, shit happened, but like it didn't mean anything because it was magic. And it's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) And also in the reverse direction, the comic book, um, I Hate Fairyland. I don't know if you guys have read that. No. No. Uh, Tell us more. girl who gets sucked into fairyland and has to go on this quest to solve it. Um, but she's unable to do it and is there for 40 years, stuck in the same little girl body. Um, oh, wow. Being angry, trying to get laid at certain points. And people are like, you're a child. And she's like, I'm 40 fucking years old. I hate everything. <laughs> oh, no. And I just want to go home. Um, and meanwhile, other kids come through and like find their way home in like five minutes. And she's just like, I hate everyone. Um, and she turns super violent and starts killing people. But it's an interesting take on like, bitterness and anger and resentment man that is i want to so read cool. that i i was just thinking as um that another interesting twist on the portal fantasy now is the show upload which is about a guy whose brain is uploaded um into a virtual world and we see a lot in that show about class and how your experience of the virtual world depends on how much money you have mm. and he's in this really fucked up position where his rich girlfriend who he was about to break up with has paid for his upload and so anytime he wants to get anything 
in the virtual world, like she has to pay for it. Like, even if it's just like, he wants to get a, you know, it's anything. Like if you want to upgrade your avatar or you want to eat a donut or whatever, it's like, as he walks through the world, like money pops up, but it's interesting because it does allow you to have these really obvious class allegories. Okay. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to ask Naman about his portal fantasies. Naman, as you know, I love the Wrath and Athenaeum series so much, and I'm so excited so that book out next year. It's so freaking good. And part of what I love about it is that it's a version of the portal fantasy that I've never seen before, partly because it kind of takes the portal fantasy and mashes it up with a little bit of urban fantasy and a little bit of like, you know, kind of Game of Thronesy secondary world fantasy. Can you tell us more about that? Like, how did you approach the portal fantasy and what made you decide to include that aspect in the books? Well, it's actually interesting because it started as two separate books. Um, It started as basically the two worlds as two separate stories that I was doing. Um, And I'd started both of them and just something wasn't clicking uh, on like, second world wasn't working, urban fantasy wasn't working, but I was still liking the stories. And I realized that the mythos was close enough that if I twisted them together, it could be something different. Um, and it just wow. grew from there. Like, it became really interesting once I did that. Yeah, because it's like, I've never seen that before, where you have, oh. like, the one character in our world who, like, creatures are coming through and he's having to fight them, and he finds out that there's this other world that he has to go to. But then we switch, and then we're in that other world, and there's someone who's, like, a native of that other world who's dealing with a whole other set of problems. Like, that was just such a cool approach. And, like... Do you feel like Portal Fantasy gets more interesting when you mash it up with other stuff? Do you feel like it kind of gets a new lease on life when you add other elements to it? I think, I think adding at other elements can add layers to it that weren't there before. Especially when you're talking about, like one of the things we were talking about is the allegory for immigration and stuff like that. And when you have POVs on both sides in both worlds, it becomes a more nuanced view of like what that means for people to cross over and what it means for like, a world to suddenly have this influx of creatures that they never knew existed or creatures that they have historical um, records about but view as lesser beings. So how did, the, how did these people begin to work together and deal with that? I think it's most fantasy when you add like an element of uh, almost real world POVs, you get more, more detailed ideas and more nuanced ideas like uh, the Laurie J. Marx series about colonialism, stuff like that. When you look at it from a different point of view, it becomes something much more interesting. Yeah, and so, I mean, did you get any, you know, pushback or did people feel like you're doing portal fantasy wrong or did you? I got a little bit of, I mean, I didn't get pushback, pushback, I think. I got a little bit of pushback because there were so many queer characters in it. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, where it was like, it just doesn't make sense for all of them to be queer. And I was like, queer people hang out with other <laughs> queers. I don't know what to tell you. Like, we have a lot of queer people in our circle of friends. That's what happens. So... It makes more sense. Mostly that was the pushback I got. I think I was lucky that when the editor picked up my book, it was someone I had known for years. And it mm-hmm. was someone who knew my politics really well, knew that I'm a loudmouth really well. Like <laughs> someone who knew that like what I was basically going to write was going to be very queer and very like POC focused. And they were down with that. 
And did you feel like this was a chance to kind of, you talked about like with immigration kind of literalizing a little bit of the metaphor that was always there. Do you feel like it was a chance to kind of bring the queerness that was already in portal fantasy kind of a little bit more to the fore and kind of show how it's, it is a metaphor for queerness or it is about like the queer experience? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, um, especially the character, Eric, the character I have in our world, being openly queer and black is already something that's affected his life in a very intense way when we join him. And so going through the portal and not even going through the portal, but learning about this other world sort of gives him this whole new lease on life that was taken from him. And this new option of like, oh, I can do this. This is part of me too which I think is really important. Like I said, I think like portal fantasies are inherently queer. I think all fantasy and sci-fi is inherently queer just a little bit. I'm like, mm, that's me. <laughs> I, I think we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, it's all just a little bit queer. It's all just like a queering of the quote unquote real world and like this opening of all these different options. Like even if Star Trek, like when you talk about Star Trek or Doctor Who and stuff like that, Doctor Who recently has gotten a lot of queerness, which I appreciate. But even before that, just having all these worlds that they maybe didn't fully explore left possibilities for people to like write novels and audio plays and fan fiction and write that queerness into the fabric of it. Yeah, I do think that the idea that there's another world out there where like everything is sort of turned upside down, you know, mm-hmm. like and all the rules are different. Yeah, it is really queer. It's like it's saying that like, all right, anything's possible, yeah. you know, and nobody's going to come and bust up your bar for dressing in drag or whatever. So so what do you guys wish that Portal Fantasies would do differently going forward? Like, where do you want to see this subgenre go? I mean, I really like the direction it's going now. I really like some of the ideas that are being examined in Portal Fantasy. There's that recent show, The Infinity Train, about a young girl in each, it's very like Snowpiercer. Young girl trying to ah. run away from home ends up on a train and each car is very different. Like mm. one car is a Grecian world with talking corgis who rule it. And another what? Yeah. Oh and then God. another car is like My two favorite things, Greece right? and talking corgis. <laughs> uh, and like the king is like, I'm the one who brought the Pembrokes and the regular corgis together in peace. Like it's a very but I think that Love people it. are pushing the idea of what portal fantasy can be. And that's mm-hmm. important for it to stay relevant. You can't just like let it sit on its laurels. Um, and you see that with the reimaginings of older portal fantasies, the reimaginings of Peter Pan, the reimaginings of Alice in Wonderland. A lot of people didn't like those weird sci-fi miniseries they did, like Tin Man and stuff. But I was like, I'm here for it. It's very weird. <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about those. <laughs> I, was like, I did oh not forget. <laughs> <laughs> they, were, they were interesting. I mean, they were, they were, they they were, were trying. Like, the Alice in Wonderland one was like gambling houses and stuff. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's happening, but uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, just fuck shit up. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I think I'd like to see more humor. I mean, obviously I like humor. I like funny, weird, silly stuff. I think portal fantasies, there's always something, there's kind of, I mean, you think about Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland. They're inherently really campy. They're super campy. It's often like just the other world that you go to is a little bit of a pantomime or whatever. It's a little bit like, we're all wearing our like silly outfits and dancing around and there's lots of dancing and, you know, it's just like very goofy and silly. And, you know, there is that layer layer of irony that I mentioned of like somebody who's kind of, 
been in the real world and kind of seen all this weird shit in the real world than going to like this more like often the world inside a portal is like more innocent in a weird way, which I think can lead to some interesting irony. So I feel like I'd love to see more done with that, more done with just like the the humor and the silly and the campiness of it. So you want kind of more the whiz. I guess. I mean, I don't know. Is the whiz campy? I guess it is. I mean, the, yeah. is the whiz more campy <laughs> I mean, than the Wizard of Oz? Wow, that's a like good question. I feel like Wizard of Oz is more campy. The creme nothing is more campy than... I mean, yeah. when I was first... The Wiz is just well, funkier. When it, yeah, it's funkier, but when I was first kind of coming out and first, like, figuring out my stuff, I was part of, like, a queer scene in North Carolina, and people just quoted Wizard of Oz all the time. Like, I had a gay friend who would just be like, oh, what a world, what a world. And that was just, like, his catchphrase. And, like, you know, are you a good witch or a bad witch? It's, like, there's nothing campier. And I it's feel like true. you could actually, like, play with that in a more self-conscious way if you wanted to. I think you both might have read this. I wrote a portal fantasy novel like a dozen years or so ago, back oh, when yeah. nobody wanted to. Yeah, when we were fantasy. in the reading group, in the writing group. And I feel like if I go back and ever revise it, I'm gonna just make it much more gay. Like that, I'll take that same story but make it like a thousand percent more gay because I feel like that's what that love story it. really needed. Love it. I think what I want to see, as we were talking about the issues around um, portal immigration and stuff, I kept thinking about Men in Black. And how that is a show that is about policing the portal, right? The whole thing is like, we got to keep these dirty aliens out and keep humanity from knowing about them. And so I want to see like a men in black, like a defund men in black kind of story where they're reforming border, uh, border cops, basically. And like, how do you change the idea of, um, Hmm making that portal one way or how do you um start uh reimagining the relationship between people on either side of the portal um so i would i'd really love to see like kind of reverse men in black like the diplomats who like you know help people come over or like lead people to the other world and say like hey these are the things you can do to not be a jerk while you're here eating lollipops made of flowers or whatever you're doing in the other world (laughs) or don't eat them because people will be offended you know so um, that actually makes me wonder because there's so many fantasies that are about magical creatures living among us and those are like that metaphor for immigration but are there any fantasies about like a bunch of people from our world like immigrating to a fantasy world and having like an immigration like having a human town or whatever in like wonderland or whatever like having that metaphor from the other side where we're the immigrants there's the immigrants i have i don't know about the humans being an immigrants to a fantasy world but there's certainly there's a couple of time travel fantasies where people from the future immigrate to the present or immigrate to the past and there's all these issues around integrating them um yeah i was gonna say there's that show uh the foreigners mm-hmm. where and, it's like three different time, like cavemen and Vikings are showing up in modern day and they're having to integrate all three. Um, and it follows like the first female Viking cop, I think, or something like that. I haven't watched oh. it yet. So. Female Viking cop is like basically my new band. <laughs> well, I think that's a good way, place to end. So Naman, where can people find you online? The best place to find me online is probably Twitter at Nominism, which is N-A-A-M-E-N-I-S-M. I'm most active there. Uh, It's also nominism on Instagram. Um, And those are probably the best places to find me. And your books are available anywhere that fine books are sold. 
anywhere that fine and wonderful books are sold. If my books aren't there, they only sell trash. <laughs> <laughs> been listening to our opinions are correct you can find us where all good podcasts are purveyed uh, please do leave us a review on apple podcasts because that really helps people find us you can also support us on patreon at our opinions are correct and if you sign up and give us things like money or gold latinum you get audio extras and essays and lots of other good stuff and you can find us on Twitter at OOACpod. And thank you so much to our amazing producer, Veronica Simonetti at Women's Audio Mission. And thanks to Chris Palmer for the music. Bye!